Tom Bernard Show with Andy Bernard, Dave Schrader, Mike Molina, and the Hackmaster, Ralph Tovash from MD. We'll be right back. Lots of stuff to talk about. Special guests coming up right back. Tom Bernard Show. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and <laughs> it's gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant. Bradshaw and Brian. Due to the billions of marketing dollars spent by Walzer Automotive on Tom Bernard Podcast, you hopefully know that Walzer sells cars. What you might not know is that they also have two full-service collision repair centers in the Twin Cities. They're fully certified by all insurance carriers and can help you navigate all the paperwork if you ever have an accident. But wait, there's more. They've also been in the paintless dent repair business for nearly 30 years and can take those pesky dings out for just a fraction of what traditional bodywork costs. Broken windshield? Walzer Collision is a fleet of full-service mobile glass repair trucks as well. Walzer are pros at body and glass repair, but don't take my word for it. They have an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau and a nearly perfect 4.8 Google rating. Check them out at walzercollision.com. I love that song. Whose idea was it? Molina, was it your idea to play that song? Yep. I love that song. He's a bumper music It's a wonderful genius. song. Wait, which version do you like? The, the original, original or the Run DMC version? Let's How go with the original. Because that's what reinvigorated <laughs> exactly. Aerosmith's uh, career. I know. It did. Yeah, it did. You're right. Al Franken resigned from the U.S. Senate on Tuesday, this very day. Serving the state of Minnesota in the U.S. Senate has been a privilege and an honor, Franken wrote in his letter of resignation to Governor Mark Dayton. I am grateful to Minnesotans for their giving me the chance to serve our state and nation. Well, they really didn't because you cheated the first time around, but, you know. I, I just love these politicians. Oh, it's been such an honor. It's been one- You cheated and you know you did. There were 400 votes found in a trunk somewhere. And I, you know, whatever. It, it just is what it is. Is uh, The resignation became official at noon today, so he's no longer our United States senator. That means Minnesota will have just one U.S. senator, Senator Amy Klobuchar, for roughly 24 hours. Franken's replacement, Lieutenant Governor Tina Smith, will be sworn in shortly after Congress reconvenes on Wednesday afternoon for a new session. Franken's resignation, which uh, he announced last month, followed a series of allegations by more than uh, a half dozen women that he had touched or kissed them without permission. I have a question for you. Um, This this just happened to me two days ago. 
Okay. Because I don't. Al Franken this, kissed I don't you? know the, the. No, not but close. <laughs> well, not really close. Uh, we went to a, this new French bakery. It's called Louis. And Louis is a, uh, a, a guy from France. He met a woman and moved to America. He was a paratrooper who was severely injured. Uh, he, he has some scars on the right side of his face from the, from the injury. But he opened up this, this French bakery. And I'm not trying to be a wise guy here. I just want your take on this. All right? So we went. And I went back in and I said, your croissants are, are authentic. They're just phenomenal. Your food is terrific. They had just opened the, the restaurant. It's a bakery. I mean, it is a restaurant, but it's more a bakery than a restaurant. But the fact that I, I said they taste very authentic, he got very excited, and he came over to me. I've never met this guy in my life. He grabbed me and hugged me, and then he kissed me on each of my cheeks. Should he have asked me if he could do that? Technically, yes, but unless you don't make a big deal out of it, it's not a big deal. But I want to know where is the where is the line? And I'm not trying to defend anybody here who's done anything. I, I actually, people thought it was weird, but I actually defended Al Franken at first, saying, well, he's a comedian, and he didn't actually touch the woman who was asleep. He was just being a wise ass. And I tried to defend him at first on that whole situation. Situation, and then it just kept coming out and coming out and coming out. But I want to know: should that man should I should, should I charge him with uh, sexual harassment? No, see, I think there's because he didn't ask me if he could kiss me. Right there, there's a different level. What's the intent? His intent was a, a way of showing thanks yeah. from his deal. Now, if he'd reached up and said, "You think my croissant yes. is good? Let me take you in back and show you my baguettes," and gave your butt a squeeze, then you got a case. But yes, I, I think truly then because he touched you in any fashion. He, it can be considered assault, which, you know, if you just pat somebody's butt, it's an assault. But, I, yeah, again, I it's, it, it comes with the intent. I think if you're seeing somebody who legitimately loves the work he does and he's, mm-hmm. he's thankful for the compliment, which he probably doesn't get much of in this day and age because not many people take the time to True. actually say nice things, I think in that sense it's not something we should be offended by. And, and you know what? If, you, um, if you're one of those kind of people that would bother you but you'd like to, to – compliment somebody compliment them and stick your hand out for a handshake so you're kind of giving them the boundary right right and you know yeah. i think people kind of get a reading for it you know but it, but it, as an educated yeah, I understand in, something I, as an educated individual you know that in certain cultures this can happen and depending on yes. the depth of your education you may realize that in arab countries this goes on all the time in french countries in mediterranean countries it goes on all the time and is an accepted norm Right, we you all know, watch Togan's right. Heroes. We yeah, know how the bow acts when you give him a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> I will tell you this: I was not offended by it. Matter no. of fact, I thought it was an honor right. that he was—he appreciated my comments so much that he wanted to give me a big hug and kiss me on both cheeks. And I, he said, "I hope you're not offended by that." And I said, "No, no, not at all." As a matter of fact, and I do—I have a friend that's from Bari, Italy. Right, He was born and raised in Italy, uh, speaks four languages. I mean, he speaks French and Spanish and English and Italian. Uh, And whenever I see him, and it's a guy, he kisses me on the lips because that's what they did in Bari where he grew up. Right. Now, am I offended by that? No. Does it bother me that another guy is kissing me on the lips? No. Well, now that I know that, when you're back in town, Tom, get ready. Well... Let me just tell Park, you something. Hey, pucker up. 
But uh, where do we draw the line? That's what I want to know. I am not offended by that in any way, shape, or form. I've had women run up to me on the street and say they love the show and kiss me on the cheek. I'm not offended by that. We draw the line at wherever someone complains, we take them seriously. So it's the complaint part that we actually care about. It's not what actually happened? Pretty much. That's sad. I mean, that's... And again, I'm not, I'm not trying to paint these women in any bad light at all. I'm just talking about real life as it is. Now, I'm looking at a picture of Tina Smith right now. She's with her father at, the, at MSP Airport on her way to Washington, D.C. for swearing in. Uh, on the right is Walter Mondale. And Mondale has his hand on her shoulder. Should he be touching her? Probably not. I don't. I, 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 I shoulder. I think say no, no. I, shoulder I, safe. I, I don't know. When I was a resident, I, for whatever reason, I thought it, because you were working with other residents and things like that, you know, you, you know, I would, uh, I, I touched, I would touch them on the on the arm or some sort of thing. I don't know the particular whole thing, but there was one woman resident. She said, "Don't do that," and I said, and I thought to myself, "Okay, so that is, so you're able to learn that sort of stuff." But you just you get yeah. it. I, I learned it then, and I just I just don't I don't touch anybody. I don't touch any. I don't hug. I don't touch. It's not what I do, because I'm I'm very sensitive about invading someone's interpersonal space. I don't want my interpersonal space invaded. I don't right. want to have them. I don't want to invade theirs. You know, I think what's interesting oh. though is women are taught. Uh, I, I hate using the word taught too because it almost sounds lascivious. But but women are taught that when you're trying to engage a man, part of the way by doing it is touching. If you touch their hand. Their, their knee, right. their shoulder, it shows that you're engaging with that guy, and it, it stimulates a certain response in a guy. And I don't mean just the sexual one, but it, it, it right. lets them know. Right. So Physical maybe risk. to women, when you touch, we're doing it as buddies. You know, I can give you a pat on the back, and it's, it doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of giving somebody a pat on the back, or you're putting your hand on, on your shoulder for support, where to them, that kind of touch means a totally different thing. So that's it's, it's hard, because yeah. we, you know... That's the one trick the Lord played on us, right? He puts us down here and then doesn't give us the communication manual. We're all talking different languages, <laughs> you know, right? Or, or or in different cultures, right? You know, you can't. There are certain hand gestures in certain right. cultures that are completely unacceptable. Yeah, although they're no. benign. Like Winston Churchill found out, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Two nights ago, we're out at dinner, right? We're having dinner, having a wonderful dinner, and everybody's doing great. And there's a guy at the next table. He's wearing a hat. Uh, that says Vietnam veteran, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I said to our server, would you please buy them each a, a drink? He was with his wife. And I said, would you buy them a, dr- a round of drinks? Uh, or, or may I buy a round of drinks? Would you bring them a round of drinks on me? And uh, they brought the drinks, and it was no big deal. I, you know, And all of a sudden, the man got up and walked over to our table and stuck his hand on and said, I want to thank you for that. And I said, well, thank you for your service. He said, nobody does that. I said, what do you mean? He goes, because I'm a Vietnam vet, nobody yeah, everyone hates says him. thank you. Everyone dislikes him because he's a Vietnam vet. Other, other wars or other conflicts are different than Vietnam. I said, well, my brother served in Vietnam, and I suppose maybe I have a personal connection. Uh, but I said, thank you for your service. You put yourself in danger serving our country. You were probably drafted. Yeah. yeah. The people who hate Vietnam vets are very short-sighted. They really are. It wasn't really their choice to no. go over there and do what they did. They were forced by the United States government to serve their country because they were drafted. They had a draft. So, and a isn't lot of it people, funny? The people no that... one my age knows the draft. We've mm-hmm. never experienced a draft right. before, and thank Christ for that. And the people that, <laughs> the people that dodged it 
they don't get any respect either, right? So in one sense, you're like, you're a draft no, dodger. You're a jerk. And then, oh, you went? You're even worse. Where's the winning line exactly. on that deal? You're kind of screwed. I, when I first moved to the Twin Cities uh, back in around 91, Tom, I was at a Perkins over in Brooklyn Center. And there was a World War II vet sitting there with his wife, and I did the same thing. I, I paid. I said to the waitress, I said, Let me, mm-hmm. I'd like to pay their bill, but you know, I'd like it to be anonymous. And she goes, oh, wow, okay, great. And she goes, I think they were about to order pie. I said, just bring them the whole pie. And right. uh, she brings them the whole pie, and she says, you know, you guys, uh, this bill has been taken care of. Thank you for your service. And the old guy starts kicking up a, a little bit of dust. And she finally points over to my table, and he walks over, and he slams the money down on my table. He goes, I don't need your damn money. I can take care of myself. And oh, I go. there you go. And I looked at him, and I said, that was no disrespect, sir. My grandfather served in World War II as a paratrooper in the 82nd Airborne, and you know, mm-hmm. it was just my way of showing respect for it. And he goes, well, all right. And he grabs the money, and he walks back to the table. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Wow. Now, see, in my situation, we get up to leave. They're still at their table. And I walk over, and he's sitting with his wife. Uh, and uh, I walked over, and I ju- this just occurred to me just now as we were talking. I put my hand on her shoulder. This woman's probably in her mid-60s, something like that. I put my hand on her shoulder, and I said to her, who's luckier, him or you? And she looked up at me with this big smile and said, I'm, I'm the luckiest one by far. Now, I just thought of that just now because I thought, what if she wouldn't have liked that? I am used to touching people because where I grew up, that's what we did. You kind of put your arm around somebody. You go, hey, how you doing? You touch somebody on the arm. When I shake hands with people, I tend to grab their elbow Me with too, my yeah. other hand. And I, I'm just wondering how much longer that's going to be allowed, or I, I just shouldn't be. Should I have touched that woman? She doesn't know me. I touched her on the shoulder, so it wouldn't have, I, the same thing that Walter Mondale is doing to Tina Smith in this picture. No, well, we're going to enter the 80s part two in about five ten years we are aren't we because what happened the 80s were the era of you know don't touch me stay out of my space and what was immediately before that the era of everyone touch everyone because yes. it was the hippies the 60s and 70s yep. and that's exactly what's happening again the 80s happened everyone got all conservative and then everyone got all super liberal and now that's you know causing backlash and now everyone's going to be super conservative again and so forth well i wonder if it's okay that i so so i should change the way i've lived my entire life uh never meaning harm to anyone touching them like i you know i you're another human being and you know touch them on the shoulder to say hey i'm a friend remember shaking hands with someone was an indication that you weren't about to harm them right Mm -hmm that I don't have a sword, I don't have a knife, shake my hand, it touched me to prove that I mean you no harm. Well, we've gotten way past that now, haven't we? Yeah, way past that's, it. That's sad. In 99, 99 or 999 times out of 1,000, you might be just fine. But then there's the one person who yeah. it just, just takes it the wrong way or, just, or may even have problems uh, coping in general. See, that's why I think you just have to live by the golden rule. Just do good things and be kind and don't worry about yeah. it. If you shake hands and you grab the elbow and you're doing it in an assertive, polite way, there's a different, you know, you, you I've had those schmucks that grab your hand to shake it and they pull you in like I'm dominant. You know, I hate that. Right, you I get that. And then that. there's the guys that just kind of grab the arm. and it, what You can tell by the intent of somebody. But again, it's what are you going to let bother you? Am I going to let this guy bother me because he pulled me in to try to show me he's the macho guy? I don't care. I shook your right. hand. Let's move on with it. People right. people have to stop being so easily wounded and offended and bitching about it. They just got to learn that, okay, you know, this is the way this person rules and you move on. Unless they get 
again, when you see the the intent is more malicious or mm-hmm. you yeah. know has some kind of uh, darker undertones, then you can whine about it. But I always thought it was funny. You remember in the '80s when there was that big groundswell from the women's movement against women that were posing in Playboy. And I can't remember which right, play, play right. bunny came out. And she goes, "Why is it it's always the most fat and unattractive women that are so un- are, are so upset about <laughs> women being objectified?" <laughs> right, but, true. But, it, but it was one of the models. They're like, "This is my body. You want to empower women? Let me do what I want with my body, and stop telling me because nobody right. wants to see you naked. Stop telling me how I should be." And there was well, that, people that who hate the rich don't have money. People who hate the attractive aren't attractive. People who hate... It's all just like, you know, you shouldn't be able to exploit anything I don't have. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like, you know, I'm never going to be in... You know, I'm never going to be a model or anything, obviously. Not with that But, attitude. you know, I don't, I don't think that, you know, we should make modeling illegal just because, you know, I can't do it. Right. But a lot of people do think that if I can't do it, no one should be able to, which is an extremely childish attitude. Do you think... Do you all think, as a matter of fact... That these college professors, and I'm, I'm not damning all college professors by any stretch of the imagination, but they've confused the word unsafe with uncomfortable. Yes. There's yeah. a huge difference between uncomfortable and unsafe because everybody thinks, oh, I felt unsafe. No, you felt uncomfortable. Yeah. There's a big difference there. Well, they've never felt unsafe, so they don't know what it's like it's to very feel true. unsafe. If somebody put a gun up to your head and pull the trigger, you yeah, feel exactly. really, really unsafe then. Believe me. We'll be right back. Tom Bernard Show. I'm Brad Huckle, president of North American Banking Company. As a locally owned community bank, we pride ourselves on individually crafted financial solutions and quick response times. H&B Elevators, a Minneapolis manufacturer known worldwide for custom elevator designs, had an option to buy their headquarters. We stepped in to get the deal done with SBA and Urban Initiative financing. See an opportunity too good to pass up? Stop in. We'll make it happen. North American Banking Company, a better banking experience. Member FDIC and equal housing lender. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Eye Care. LASIK changed my life. Dr. David Whiting changed my life. He can get rid of those contacts, get rid of those glasses, and truly change your life. He's performed over 100,000 LASIK procedures, so there's no one else around who can compare. Let me tell you, if you're thinking about having your eyes corrected, Check out Dr. Whiting and the folks over at Whiting Clinic. They've got the most advanced lasers, they've got the most experience, and they've got the best price guaranteed. All the reasons you'd choose Whiting Clinic for your LASIK vision correction. Make this year the year that you get LASIK from Dr. David Whiting. Schedule your free LASIK exam at whitingclinic.com, and please tell them I sent you. That's whitingclinic.com to take the first step in having clear lens-free vision at Whiting Clinic LASIK and Eye Care. Melina, you're playing all these great songs today. What's that all about? You're, you got a kind of an 80s kind of mood? Uh, just, you know, kick off the new year with some good tunes. Great songs. Really, really good songs, don't you think? Yep. And we do have Miss Butler on old. <laughs> Oh, she's ready to go? Yep. Brad Butler, how are you? Hi. How are things? Peachy. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well. Dave is here and Ralph is here and Mike and Andy. And my name is Tom. It's it's great to have you on the show. Well, hi, Tom. It's really nice to meet you. I bet, by the way, I've really been enjoying what I've been listening to. Is this what is this live or what? Sometimes about, it is, yes. About the models so, yeah, and some, everything? Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah, we're just talking, Brett. That's why I said I'd love to have you on the show with us to chat about this and kind of get your perspective. You and I have talked off air about what's going on in Hollywood and and the explosion that's that's taking place. And, you know, so many people are acting surprised like this is kind of a new thing. Was this Uh, Yeah, and the indignation factor alone is just so (laughs) awful. It's ridiculous. (laughs) Well, I want to hear your take on all this stuff, Brett. Oh, God. You know, what's so a guy grabs you in an elevator? Big deal. You got the job, didn't you? (laughs) 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 Brett Butler, comedian, actress, author. Uh, She's with us on the show. I just want to make sure we (laughs) alert people to who we're dealing with here. (laughs) Yes, exactly. It's called comedy and humor, folks. Um, Yeah, I just, well, I know you've been a lot stronger uh, on this, and you and I have chatted about the fact that. You know the, the was problem. Was that on the air? What I just said. Yeah, but don't worry. <laughs> Only Tom's worry friends and family and millions of listeners are tuned in. We're okay. But but you do believe that there needs to be more accountability too, right? That all these women that are shaking their fist in righteous indignation, a lot of them uh, put themselves in situations and they took the opportunity. They didn't walk away from opportunities like that. Uh, you know, it was a way to further their career. Did you ever have to face the casting couch when you were coming up in, well, in the ranks? Well, you know, I, I think, I, I'm, I'm sure when you think, gosh, chicks that must have had to do that a lot, I, I am not uh, up on that list. I had a guy one time uh, when I was, God, young. I just had moved to New York. I think I was, I was like, you know, 25 or 26 years old. And I'd finished my show, and afterwards he kept peering at me on the street, and he goes, are you a girl? I had on a dress, y'all, okay? And I said, what do you mean? He said, you got that deep voice and you joke like a guy. And he honks one in my breast with his hand. And uh, And then the the comedians who were watching at the moment said, you know, if you hadn't cold cocked him so fast and right middle of the face, it wouldn't have supported his argument that you were indeed a male. (laughs) Well... Now, Brett, where um, did you grow up? Uh, uh, in uh, Georgia, pretty much. Mostly in Georgia. I, I never left the South until I moved to New York, actually, when I was that age. What part of Georgia? Marietta. Oh, in Marietta. It's very nice. But I'm from uh, like Montgomery, Georgia. Alabama, is where I was born. Yeah. Oh, you were born in Montgomery? Yes. You know, we, people on, what is it, I-22 that runs across northern Mississippi, Alabama, right? That's, that's in, I, is that I-22? I, yeah, well, I-20, yeah, I-20. I well, it's I-20. Forks, you I go, 20, you okay. go north. If you go to Nashville, you're a Yankee. <laughs> <laughs> well, then i got to ask you, Brad, that. who are you going to be cheering for on Monday night? Because you got Georgia versus Alabama. You oh, know, God. I am the most, I'll, I'll just say this, I'm the most you know, I know I know where I'm from. I know my accent and everything, but I really didn't feel at home until I moved to New York. Honestly. So you're a New Yorker really? and a Georgian I'm, body. I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of Dixie. I'm not saying there aren't wonderful people there. I love them so much. That's my home, et cetera. But uh, it's uh, I'm, I'm not a red state gal. <laughs> oh, you're not. You. Well, Alabama's not a red state uh, totally anymore anyway. Well, it's, it's kind of purple. I, I don't know what it is. It's just, it's all just so bizarre, you know. It's, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't, I even went to the University of Georgia, albeit briefly, and just don't feel that much of an affinity for it. I'm, I'm really sorry to say. I'm just not, a, not one of those Southerners, really. 
Hey, Brett, do you mind if I ask you real quickly? Um, you know, we were talking a little bit earlier about celebrities and their roles in politics and in, in kind of using their platform. Did you ever find yourself subject to that? Did you ever feel that, you know, I've got a certain base of people. I should really speak out on this subject or I should speak out on that subject and, and weigh in? Or, or did you just feel like, you know what, I'm, I'm here to entertain you and that's all you really need from me? Well, I mean, when I was, uh, again, uh, I had moved to New York, and uh, apartheid, for example, was still in force in South Africa. Uh, I produced this big benefit, and I know that I didn't do it because it was trendy. This is before everyone stood on the steps and sang together and stuff like that. I just, I felt, I just, I, I, I campaigned for Andrew Young when I was 11 years old. So, I, I, in essence, I was more political before I was a comedian. Once, and then when I became a comedian and I saw how other entertainers, and, and too few of them do it well, you know, p- posit their point of views in a public forum and don't sound sanctimonious or kind of absurd or isolated in that sort of, you know, oh, look, I've given birth to a thought, you know, and let's, let me show everybody. Um, if right. anything, if anything, celebrity sort of moved me away from it. I'll, I'll give you an example. When Shannon Faulkner got in the Citadel and everybody gave her a hard time, I called her up. I'm the last chick in the world that wants anybody to have to go to a military academy. And, you know, when you look at me, you just don't think, wow, there's somebody who, you know, really want women to sign up. I just, I don't like when people are ganged up on. It doesn't matter what really, you know, what they're standing for. But does that make sense? Yeah, oh. it makes total sense, as a matter of fact. And I admire it. Yeah, it's, it's like, uh, you know, when Roseanne's one of the few people who could do it, but at the same time, you know, when she ran for president in the Green Party, I was like, uh, if you can do that with a straight face, and she did inform herself, and, you know, it wasn't like she was just, you know, going going off. I, I, in a way, we can't be any more ridiculous than the real people doing it, right? So exactly. it, it's okay, but it's better for me to just do, I frankly... I feel a lot more self-conscious with this whole paranormal thing that happened to me than any. I might as well run for office. It couldn't be more ridiculous. And yeah, talking Ooh, about that, hear. Tom. Yeah, she. In, yeah, we helped out her a few years ago on uh, on our show at Darkness Radio. Brett, uh, you bastard. Yeah, but she. You know, talking about the one cause she does talk openly about. And I knew that you'd, you'd sink in with this, Tom, because I know your love and affinity for animals. Brett does a lot of work for elderly and forgotten animals, people that abandon pets when they get too old or too hard to take care of. And Brett Butler and does. And husbands, yeah. too. <laughs> and husbands. She yes, does a lot I of work. That. Does a lot of work on that. And she was uh, telling me, you know, something, it's hard to raise funds from people to um, help take care of these elderly animals. And I said, well, why don't you use your gift? And she is. Um, mediumistic and, and has the ability to kind of communicate and, and get insights. And when I first heard about this, I'm like, oh, geez, it's another celebrity cashing in, trying to, you know, Dion Warwick her way into our hearts. And our <laughs> listeners started contacting me in droves, and they're like, holy cow, this woman's amazing. She's really got the gift. So we pushed her out on our show, and I said, uh, hey, listen, we're going to help Brett Butler help the animals. So she does readings for people um, and helps them communicate and gives them whatever messages she can. And the donations that people pay for the for the different readings go to help with medical care, and food, and care. If I don't hook up, I don't charge people. I just, that's, you know, I, I mean, I... If, if any psychic is 100%, God bless them, but I'm sure not. And uh, I, sometimes it's the times I really want it to work the most. It's like, it's like holding a bubble when you're a little kid and you try to catch a bubble. 
But what 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 I meant more, as much as anything, was uh, these uh, these pictures that I've been taking. For example, I can't figure out uh, where, and for what it's worth, I have maybe the I've been told the biggest, most varied collection of paranormal photographs of anyone that I've taken myself, and. I'm trying to just get, it would be so nice if uh, what I call normal people were as interested in this as I am, which I guess I'm calling myself abnormal. Does that make sense? <laughs> no, it fits. Sure. I know you. Good thing. Uh, I, don't, I don't even know what to do with them. I just feel like, you know, if I could, I could just snap my fingers and open a museum and just have some screen on when people could go see them. There's, it's there's so, this thing, Brett, called is, social media. You know, you can put them up on your Facebook it, it, page. Yeah, I, I do, but it's so funny because all, all paranormal photographs are suspect. Most of them are right. really blurry and stuff like that. But the fact that these things are coming through is is more wild and wonderful to me. This is – I wish – I wish people with college degrees were, were pursuing it. Well, and I think that's... Yeah, that I, makes total sense. We're seeing more of that, though, with, with schools that are starting to teach yoga and meditation and giving some of these insights. I think, I think we will see that, and especially with all of the need of safe zones, Brett, people are going to start taking more of uh, meditation and yoga to heart, I think. So maybe the good thing that will come out of the pansification of uh, America and, and over-worrying for everybody, I think, is maybe <laughs> maybe they will start getting in touch with themselves and uh, well, I, learn like, to be I beyond themselves. I want a hashtag called Me Too Who Hasn't. Right. <laughs> Me Too Who Hasn't. That's uh, That should be the new call to arms. Everybody's complaining about everything. There's no making anybody happy. Business, i got to guess the entertainment business has just got to be a sand trap right now. You've got to, well, people are negotiating. Well, I think there's it. such an enormous difference between sexual assault and uh, and yes, I'm not I'm not I'm not saying harassment is you know anything like a picnic or anything. I just I, I you know I'm I wasn't no I didn't grow up in the depression, but I was raised by people who were in it. You know, and uh, there were it's sometimes you just have to just gosh I want to say butch up, and then I'll probably upset somebody by saying that. Um, oh, it's just God. I think some we'll people really enjoy the the thing. I think. I don't know. I'll tell you what. I'll give you an example. It has happened to me. There's a really famous person that technically I found out it's assault, and it happened to me. Am I going to say anything? No. Heck no. He's got, like, a family, and it happened over 20 years ago. And uh, I just I can't imagine. And I'm not saying that this goes. I'm not saying this is Harvey Weinstein territory. Please, please do not. You know, and and I'm not. You know, I'm not some victim in denial either. I just think people have to. Uh, their their entire careers being buried under. You know. Yeah, I agree. And, and it's, it's uh, coming and I, back. And I also, I, I also think there's probably, uh, I think men are afraid to say that it's happened to them. You haven't heard very much at all about, like, I'm just going to say, like, straight men, or it doesn't matter if they're straight or not, but men saying that women did something to them. Um, it's uh, Well, there is. There's a weird know, it's, stigma. It's very much, it's, it's, a really, it's a really imbalanced field, I think. And, Tom, you like true crime stuff. There's an interesting documentary yeah. on Netflix right now. It's Dahmer on Dahmer, and it's Jeffrey Dahmer. They're using kind of uh, a narrative throughout it of him talking about his crimes and what he did. And there were two guys that came forward. This was newer information. Two guys that served with him in the military that were 
molested and raped by Jeffrey Dahmer, but they were terrified to come forward because how do you you're you're in the military? How do you come forward and say a man took advantage of yeah. you and raped you? So there's as as horrible as it is for women, the stigma of admitting that you've been violated as well as a man. That, I think that's that, what I was trying to right? say, but yeah. not as eloquently as you just did. Exactly. I don't know about eloquent, Brett. Let's settle down I like that eloquent. word, eloquence. Let's stick with that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Brett, I have to tell you a wonderful story. This this actually happened. I don't know if you ever worked with Kevin Meany or not. I loved you know him Kevin so much, yes. Yeah, he was wonderful. He was mm-hmm. in the studio. I do a morning show as well. You've been on the morning show, as a matter of fact, the KQR's morning show that I, I do. I've been doing it for 32 years. And the day that Dahmer was arrested, um, Kevin Meany was in the studio. And we're sitting around, and this horrific story comes over the wire, and I'm reading it because it's breaking news about this man and they're finding all these body parts and there was a head in his refrigerator and this horrific story and kevin meany was just so brilliant and so good at what he did he just gets this sad face and i said kevin this is horrible i know you got you got the sad face he goes that's not what i'm thinking about it is horrible there's no question about it it's just terrible what happened but i'm thinking about the poor landlord can you imagine the landlord? They arrest Jeffrey Dahmer. He walks in and goes, all this carpet's got to go. <laughs> he just did the best, Kevin. I can see him. <laughs> one of the greats That's of all time. That's just like Kevin, to think of the victims that no one else thought of. <laughs> he was wonderful. He was a brilliant man. And you know no what? How that. how skinny was that window to work in a, a place where one joke could flower and take hold in that horrible day? That is genius. Yeah, and I will never forget it. Brett, do you <laughs> have to take fantastic. off, or do you have a little more time? Brett, can are, you hang you with us? Asking me? Yeah, can we? Oh, can you I, hang I, with us? Can you hang just, with us? I'm I'm so happy to be your guest. Just let me know. We will be I, back. I in say two I'm minutes, here to serve. Right. You know, yes. <laughs> I'm here to serve. We'll be back in two minutes. Tom Bernard Show. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. When you call Sabre for service, you'll get a certified technician that's an expert at diagnosing, repairing, and installing heating and air conditioning equipment. Sabre Techs give you the service you need, not the other stuff that you don't need. When you combine that with Sabre's A rating for customer service and the best equipment from Bryant, you get exactly what you need. So make the call to Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning today. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. This is Tom, and I want to tell you a story about camping. A guy named Tim, his back pain, and his angry wife. You see, Tim went camping with his family, but he aggravated his recurring back problem a couple of days before when he was golfing with his buddies. His wife had to set up the campsite and do all the heavy lifting, and Tim couldn't do a whole lot with the two kids. Tim was not a happy camper. And neither was his wife. The following Monday, Tim's wife got him an appointment at Hopkins Health and Wellness Center, a DMR method clinic. Their team of physical therapists and chiropractors figured out what was really wrong with his back, quickly got him out of pain, and taught him how to keep it from coming back. And what did Tim say was the biggest benefit of finally handling his back problem? Happy wife, happy life. DMR clinics are a group of physical therapists, chiropractors, and allied medical spine specialists that can help you feel better fast. They have a 96% success rate. It's covered by insurance, and you don't need a referral. They have convenient locations in Hopkins, Woodbury, Rogers, and Blaine. For a free consultation, go to dmrmethod.com. That's dmrmethod.com.
back, ladies and gentlemen. Andy's with us, Mike Molina, Darkness Dave, and of course, Ralph Bashmar. Special guest, Brett Butler. Brett, I, I got, I just noticed on the, on the news wire here, and this is very sad news for me because this man, I've had him on the morning show several times. He was on this show, as a matter of fact, as well. Uh, you mentioned you were from Montgomery, Alabama, or you were born in Montgomery, Alabama. Did you live there for a while, or did you move right away? Uh, I'm pretty much moved there, but I had family that that was there. Why? Who passed away? Uh, Rick Hall, Birmingham, Alabama, Muscle Shoals oh. music producer oh. Rick Hall died at 85. Oh, oh my Wonderful goodness! Guy. Okay, that was. I, you know what? That was. I, I'm glad he had a a good life. I'm not saying it's not sad when they're old. I just. I'm about right. to turn 60. I'm doing that brace me thing, you know, where all our friends die. <laughs> you go through, yeah, exactly. oh, my God, he was just a kid. <laughs> you know. I know. Alabama yeah. record producer Rick Hall, who recorded some of the biggest musical acts of the 60s and 70s and helped develop the fabled Muscle Shoals sound, has died at the age of 85. I just talked to When was that, Andy, when Rick Hall was on the show last? About a year ago? Something Let's like that. see here. Just the nicest guy in the world. Uh, he died at his home Thursday following a fight with cancer. Said longtime friend Judy Hood. He was 85 years old. I just wanted to mention that. Montgomery, Alabama, not that far from Birmingham, Alabama. And Rick Hall was just a legend and a very, very nice man. April I, Did he ever write a book about all that, by the way? He did. Absolutely he did, as a matter of fact. I'm going to uh, get it. A couple it. Yeah. years ago. Good. No, I just wanted to mention, as a, as, a, as a fellow Alabaman, I wanted to point that up, but Rick was a very nice guy and a genius, just unbelievable. So yeah, I mean, what he what he carpet. did at Muscle Shoals was like uh, it was like a magician, really, because he got together some people at a time in America where uh, a lot of those people would never have socialized had he not commandeered them into a studio to make that sound that he did. No, you're absolutely right. As a matter of fact, uh, they bring up. And this is for people who said, no, I don't know who Rick Hall is. I don't know what the Muscle Shoals sound is. You do know what Muscle Shoals sound is mm -hmm. because David Hood, Judy Hood's husband and a member of the Swampers rhythm section immortalized in the Leonard Skinner song, Sweet Home, Alabama. So uh, even if you don't think you know what Muscle Shoals sound is, you definitely know. If you've ever heard Leonard Skinner or a lot of those uh, kind of bands, fantastic stuff. Very sad, though. Hey, can I, can I so, mention, too, because I know she won't. She's too humble to do this. But, again, for her animals, if you're interested in a medium reading and try oh, to communicate yeah. with somebody on the other side, um, you can contact Brett through her website, realbrettbutler.com. That's realbrettbutler.com. And you can find the links there for her readings. And uh, the money that she raises for that will go to help her with the care of elderly animals, elderly and forgotten animals that she uh, helps to take care if, of. If I get one more 18-year-old cat, <laughs> the whole place we, uh, is like just people People come, like they, they don't even have to come in the door and they go, you have cats, huh? <laughs> yes, I have cats. <laughs> <laughs> but she, well, you know, she does some pretty remarkable work in in taking care of these animals, and it's it's great to see somebody that uses their celebrity to help the the, the creatures on our planet that don't have a voice for themselves. And uh, she yeah. gives she gives voice to those that have passed away, and and does these readings and what you else? No, I'm I'm worse than that. I stop people and say, "Are you really letting your dog ride in the front seat?" I'm, I've turned into one of those. Are you now? You're becoming. Will you the, pull uh, them over? 
you know, she pulls well, them over. You know, or I'll say, the way I, I if people aren't wearing seatbelts, I have a great line. I go, I bet someone loves you. Why don't you put on a seatbelt, right? They can't get mad yep. and yep. at an old broad that says that. But animals are like, <laughs> so I saw a lady riding with her Yorkie on her lap, and I said, I don't want to yeah. sound like one of those people, but an airbag can kill a 50-pound dog, you know, like that. Oh, man, and we've got to <laughs> remind people, too, Tom, have you seen these stories? These morons, we're getting negative 10, negative 25 degree weather out. They're leaving their dogs out for hours at a time in this weather. Oh, no, it's just, I'm just don't even start with me. Yeah, it's, uh, you know what, I'm not vegan, so maybe that makes me a complete hypocrite, you know. Uh, someplace, you know, or, you know, but I'm not inside having a hamburger while my dog's out in two degrees. <laughs> yeah, you can't leave it. And I've heard some of these goofballs, they're like, oh, dogs live in the outdoors. That's where they're from. They're, they're okay. Yeah. They can adapt. No, they can't. They Some of these dogs are frozen solid outside. No, a dog, Unbelievable. Once a dog is domesticated, it can never really live outside. It's kind of like it'll, it'll pretty much, like 90% of the time uh, they try to live in the wild, they're going to die. Because yeah. they just, you know, there's unless like a switch. they're Malamutes, where you guys are, you know. Oh, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I suppose when they're big <laughs> enough that they can just, you know, step on a horse and then eat it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Malamutes are enormous and very, very fluffy. They are indeed. <laughs> they well, are. I tell you what, Brett, you, you're talking to the right family here because my wife and I have always had dogs. Matter of fact, uh, we have a three-year-old uh, right now, three-year-old little puppy. He's uh, he's pretty special. But uh, what, what do you have? Dog, what is it? Like a mix? Cavalier. It's a cavalier. Oh, they King are Charles. the cutest dogs on earth. I, I mean, they really—they're oh. just ridiculous cute. He will, through his own barking, tell you just how beautiful he really is. You know, <laughs> He'll the, be the first I think to tell you. my friend says the softest place in the world is right between the eyes on a King Charles. Oh God, it is! It's unbelievable. But he knows it. He does know how how cute he is. But our dog just before him, and it took actually, it took my wife three years to get another dog because the previous dog was a uh, um, Jack Russell Terrier. Jack, Jack Russell Terrier, and he lived to be eighteen years old, and that was a tough road to hoe. I guess who got to take him in to have him put down because he yeah, was really. dying. It was oh. not I, I hear you. Our, I, I just. Oh, I, a few years ago, I had six dogs. I thought if I had a lot, it wouldn't hurt so bad, and it was time to say goodbye. But you know what? It just always no. does. Brett, do people and, ever uh, contact you? And then you, you go get another one as soon as you can. <laughs> do, do, do you ever get people that call you, Brett, that wants you to try to connect them with a, a passed-over pet? Yeah, I've actually had a, a lot of uh, – I'll, I'll send you the picture. I know I can't do it on radio, but someone – I took a – I found, I got a picture of someone's dog after our reading, and she's actually one of your listeners. Um, yes, I have. I have. I started with animals. Animals were how I found out I was psychic, actually. And the, is that oh, weird really? for you when they communicate? When an animal spirit communicates, are they giving you words? Are they giving you just actions? Okay, I'll, I'll tell you. This is my favorite example. It happened a couple of years ago. My client was an 81-year-old woman. And I started the reading about five minutes into it. I said, there's a white kitten, and its its whiskers look like they were burned. And I said, on a candle. I don't know what made me say that, right? And she said, what? Like in this really mad voice. When she was, uh, her mom died in childbirth when she was five. And actually, it was in Minnesota. Her dad moved her to his parents' farm. And her grandmother died when she was like three. So it's her dad and her grandfather on this little farm and when she was five, her grandfather gave her a kitten with a red ribbon around its neck. 
and it burned its whiskers on a candle, and they named it Candle, okay? So, but in March, her grandfather accidentally ran the kitten over with the wagon, and uh, the woman said, I haven't, she said, she was crying, and she said, where the F has it been for 75 years? And all of a sudden, <laughs> it's like that, I was that kitten, I said, I know I didn't live very long, but I, they gave me cream. I had the happiest life. And, of course, cats can't do that, you know. It was like, I, I know this probably sounds crazy to people, you know, whether they do or don't believe in this stuff, but I saw I saw how weird that cat looked. I described it I, I, just like it looked. Uh, it looked kind of what the grandfather didn't, what she didn't know until she was older was that, um, he found the mom and the other kittens frozen in the barn, and this was the only one that survived. Oh, ooh, that's so, crazy! Um, when you, you know, yeah, it was a, it was a few months, but that just flipped me out. How in the world would I have known that? But it's it just it just comes through. There's nothing there's nothing special I do. I just try to get out of the way of it. You know, um, I think most people have. I, everybody has, not most. All people have some psychic ability, and uh, the hardest part is just moving out of the way and not thinking about it too much, you know? Uh, birds yeah, have yeah, come absolutely. through before, um, and one time, uh, well, this was a living one. The, a person wanted me to come see. They had a problem with their tortoise, and I said, I, you know, I, I don't know if I can do anything or not. I, just a friend took me over there, and it's like all this information just comes through. It's, I guess we're all the same energy field or something. I don't know. Tom, would you want to be able to psychically connect with Jude? Or are you afraid what Jude was really thinking about you this whole time? Oh. Jude already lets me know what he thinks. <laughs> oh, yeah, Jude. It's pretty obvious that he likes us. He honestly got, got mad at me one time because I wouldn't let him do something. And I, yeah, I didn't hear it before, and I haven't heard it since. But he just looked up at me and went, goggle, goggle, goggle. <laughs> I didn't even know a dog could make that noise. That's the little King Charles did that? Yes. What is that? What does that mean? Goggle, goggle, goggle. I'll make some weird noises. (laughs) That's fantastic. Animals animals are a huge part of our life. We take him for a walk, and he just loves to get outside, and he loves everybody, and he... He gets all excited, like Andy, who's on the show with us now, is my son. And when Andy comes over to the house, he just Jude gets all excited to see him. It's it's wonderful. It's how people should treat one another, Brett. Uh, you know, animals can't get on social media. Thank God, because oh, they haven't oh, learned to be I, jerks. I, I, because you know why? Because snipping each other's tails is so much more fun. <laughs> well, I don't know if I want to start doing that with other people, but you know. No, I have. Um, I have a. Okay. Uh, when you said a terrier, I have my first terrier. I have a rat terrier and a gigantic poodle, and the eighty-pound poodle has no idea that he's bigger than this little troublemaking terrier. Sure. I, I, sure. I know. I know. I'm one of those people. Like I could watch these two for such. A, they are so funny together, which makes me just incredibly pathetic. I know. <laughs> I got uh, no. It, it's funny to watch animals too because you don't. You know, a lot of times we just forget they're they're just kind of this superfluous creature that lives in our world, and we forget that they, what they're really like, and how humanistic a lot of times they are. And I've got, I've got three of these. Uh, yeah, we're up to three now, Brett. I've got three of these cats that we've saved from uh, shelters, and um, the other day I've got this uh, table up by the window, and the, there's very little space on it to sit because we've got knickknacks and my mom's urn and everything on this table. 
And uh, they're up there, and, and my one cat is looking out the window, and he's just standing there stoically looking out the window. And the new cat, who we've uh, originally named Dawson, we've now nicknamed him Cheech because he looks stoned constantly, jumps up <laughs> jumps up next to Mittens, and he's trying to look out the window with him. And I'm watching, and I'm sitting there, and I'm about to take out my phone. I thought, this is just such a beautiful picture, these two cats. And all of a sudden, my one cat, Mittens, just turns and looks at him. And then hip checks him and knocks the other cat off, and then he just keeps looking out the window. It is one of the funniest things. Well, beauty. You could tell that they're just, it's total brother-sister relationships <laughs> with these dumb animals that, that I've fallen in love with in our house. But it's funny how humanistic they really are. They're, they're totally like us in the fact that... I just love that you like cats. I'm, I'm less feline I than any woman I know, but I just, when guys like cats, I think that is such a cool thing. I don't I, like cats. I, can't stand them. I love these three right, morons, I but I don't like any other cats. These cats have somehow won me over. It's amazing how that... Uh, I'm a dog guy, Tom. I've been a dog guy my whole life, and all of a sudden, I, all I know sure. is I've got three cats, and they're running well, my I world. Well, I feel that yeah, way Andy. about having a poodle, for gosh sakes, Dave. Are you kidding? <laughs> my, my friend saw it. My, my buddy, he goes, Brett, that looks like a giant tampon with a collar on. <laughs> it does. Well, it might. A lot of poodles are very mean, too. Well, those, the little ones. My, my, my boy is such yeah, a gentleman. Yeah. Yes, and he thinks he's a puppy, right? The the only animal that's ever bitten me was a little poodle. (laughs) Yeah, little poodles can be pretty mean. I don't know why. You are just profiling Andy. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah, definitely. But Andy has a cat. Andy's had a cat. How how many years you had a cat now, Andy? I've never not had a cat, really. Oh, that's true. Uh, But this particular one that's living with me right now, I think, is twelve or thirteen. And then we got him, uh, what, two years after Wheezy died? And then she was born when I was born. Yeah, that's right. And then in between, we've got, we've had Wheezy, uh, Meeps, Booker, Babs, Munchie, Whiskers, Cecil, BC, Fred, and now Hop. So 10. Jeez, I can't even remember my lifetime. kids' names. Wow. <laughs> Well, it's over 30 years, so, I mean. <laughs> so are mine. Over 30 years, I can't remember all eight of their names, deal. but you just rattled yeah, I'm, off I'm the... so impressed that, that you can good. rattle off the names. I really am. That's impressive. Yeah, I couldn't have done it. That is impressive. Brett, you're amazing. We have to have you back on again. It's thank terrific Thank you so much. You. I just enjoyed Happy New Year, guys, and thank you. Happy just, New it Year It was just to great to, to talk to everybody, and here's a big hug. Thank you. Thank you, dear. Brett Butler, ladies and gentlemen, very, very funny. I, I, one of these days, maybe she's going to have to hook up with uh, with Jude and figure out what the hell's in there. Jude. Jude. <laughs> what do you think? That's a very fun show, and thank you again to, to everybody, as I said, up at KDAL, AM and FM up in Duluth. Uh, thanks for making us feel welcome, and it's our first day uh in Duluth, as a matter of fact, we're looking forward to many, many more. It's one of my favorite places. I love the state of Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, North Dakota, South Dakota. It's a wonderful area to be from, and I've worked in almost every uh, town in the five-state area, so it's uh, it's great to be on the air in Duluth, Minnesota. Thanks, everybody. Have a magnificent day. We'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>